You're listening to Pac-12 Today on Sirius XM Pac-12 Radio 373. Here's Guy Haberman and Evan Moore. All right, ASU plays on Thursday night. Can they get their minds right in time after the uh, bowl ban was announced, not just publicly, but to the team yesterday before practice? We heard Kenny Dillingham earlier in this hour say bad practice, but of course it was a bad practice. Talk more about that. Let's welcome Hode Rubino, devilsdigest.com, and he joins us now on the show. Hode, welcome. Thanks for the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. What did you think of Kenny Dillingham's message and the way he delivered his message, and what did you read into um, kind of his emotion uh, on Sunday when he addressed the media? Well, look, I give Kenny Dillingham a lot of credit, especially being the youngest coach in the FBS ranks the power five ranks, I should say, I'm sorry, that he was really as controlled and composed as it was. Uh, you can imagine uh, getting a uh, phone call at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday uh, trying to prepare for uh, practice, the first practice of uh, game week, with the season opener being on Thursday, that uh, to hear about a post-season, self-imposed postseason ban is really a message that you're not expecting and really the last message that uh, you, you do want to hear as you're inching closer and closer to the season opener. So I think Dillingham, uh, you know, did, did a very good job uh, still expressing his emotions, not not, bit, not being overboard uh, with that expression of sentiment, uh, but uh, but nonetheless also really conveying his, his disappointment because he was obviously uh, absolutely blindsided by this decision. Okay, so Hode, I, 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 to your point about him being blindsided, I, I don't disagree because obviously his reaction would indicate that. But at the same time, I think everybody, including Kenny, those of us that follow the program and then those of us, those on the inside, had to be at some point expecting something to come of the alleged recruiting violations that occurred under Herm Edwards. And so while the timing might not be great and you understand his frustration and him being upset about the whole thing, to be blindsided about it, does it then kind of point to Ray Anderson and maybe how Ray handled this thing with communication with Kenny? Like, otherwise, like, how do you get blindsided by it? Because he took this job, even built it into his contract that this could happen, and here it is. So, what leads yeah. to being blindsided? Your athletic director? Well, sure. I mean, uh, you're really touching on a lot of several points, and I'm going to address all of them. Uh, first of all, um, you know, I uh, wrote a column yesterday, still on my front page, uh, as we speak at DoubleSignature.com, about the dereliction of duty that athletic director Ray Anderson has exercised, not only with this specific decision, but really with a rash of decisions ever since this NCAA investigation launched in May in May of 2021 that, that really led us uh, towards, uh, to where we are uh, today. Now, don't forget one thing is that when Kenny Dillingham signed his contract with ASU, that was November of 2022. That was some, I don't know, eight months before the punishments of Tennessee were announced. And as you know, but for the listeners that do not know, uh, Tennessee, with violations that were just as severe as ASU, and some will say even more severe than, than what ASU is alleged to have done, were able to avoid a, a bull ban and pay an $8 million fine. And that was just part of the new uh, NCAA approach, if you will, that they're not going to punish coaches and players that were not part of the allegations that led to the investigation to begin with. So I think there was some hope, if you want to call it that, 
that ASU might be able to avoid that postseason ban mm-hmm. that they self-imposed, right, that self-imposed yesterday. So I think that is also something that's really, 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 really important that, uh, to keep in mind. A prudent move uh, if you're somebody who's coming into a program that's under NCAA investigation. But I still feel that, you know, after what took place in Tennessee, and because there is some apples to apples factor over here in comparing uh, the, uh, the sanctions and the allegations involved that led to the sanctions, I think that maybe it was uh, some kind of hope that Arizona State uh, was going to avoid the postseason ban. My whole point, and I said that uh, crystal clear in my column, is that Ray Anderson, in spring of 2022, knew that Herm Edwards, the person that he championed, and that's an understatement, to be coaching at Arizona State, wanted to resign. He had enough of everything that was going on with the investigation. In a matter of 30 days, he lost both his offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, who had to resign due to the allegations as well as his defensive coordinator and recruiting coordinator, Antonio Pierce, who really was uh, the, the key culprit in all these recruiting uh, violation allegations. He lost those two coordinators in the span of, uh, of 30 days. For Ray Anderson not to have one uh, iota of sound judgment to think, okay, if I'm going to do a self-imposed postseason ban, not to do it, prior to the 2022 season is absolutely in, in, inexcusable. And that's, I think, the point that not only I'm making, but I think your fans are making too. Yeah. So you go back to last year, this time, or last year, the summer. Was there, mm-hmm. was there, a, was this an active conversation? Was there a discussion about, well, should we just do this now and get it over with? Oh, I, I'm, so, I'm sure that that, that, that discussion uh, did take place, but, uh, Ray Anderson ultimately was the wet blanket in all of this. And look, I mean, if it's, this sounds a little out of bounds or um, delusional to some, keep in mind that on the day that Herm Edwards parted ways with Arizona State, Ray Anderson was asked, do you believe the football program today is in a better place than it was than Herm Edwards was hired? And Ray Anderson, without flinching, said yes. Okay? Keep in mind that not only did you have one of the most embarrassing losses in program history to Eastern Michigan, but your program was still under NCAA investigation. You already already took, at that point, several self-imposed steps to satisfy the NCAA, dismissing not one, but four assistant coaches, three of them just days into fall camp of 2021. You already self-imposed recruiting restrictions, uh, not having certain coaches, including Antonio Pierce and Herm Edwards, from engaging in off-campus recruiting activities, as well as limiting off-campus recruiting activities of other assistant coaches. So with all that in mind, for Ray Anderson to sit over there with a straight face to say that the program is good, is in a better uh, place today, on the, day that Ray, on the day that Herm Edwards is parting ways with Arizona State, then the day that he was hired, is absolutely egregious. There is no even a yoda of logic to, to, uh, to, to really make that statement. So I don't know why anybody should be in disbelief that Ray Anderson was coddling, protecting to the nth degree his, his good buddy. Uh, and, and, and if people, again, who don't know, 
Ray Anderson was Herm Edwards' agent during some of his uh, uh, head coaching tenure in the NFL. He was protecting him so bad that he did not do a self-imposed postseason ban in 2022 as he should. And mm. in the name of protecting his good buddy, Herm Edwards, he brought down the whole program, and he's having, again, coaches and players that had nothing to do with the sanctions still suffer consequences uh, two, uh, two, three years later and are still going to suffer some consequences in the near future because we don't know what the ultimate sanctions are going to be. This investigation is ongoing as we speak. So for, yeah. for all this change of events that, uh, to take place, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that, uh, that Ray Anderson has tried his hardest and maybe, I guess, to his credit, and I say this sarcastically, did succeed in protecting Herm Edwards' precious legacy and having a first-year head coach, somebody who is an alumnus who's fully invested in turning around this program, somebody who has a laundry list of challenges. He was able to levy that enormous challenge on somebody like Kenny Dillingham. Again, I hate to use the word inexcusable 10,000 times, but I don't even know what other word can come to mind at this point. Well, I, <clears throat> that's a really good perspective, and and obviously ASU is in is about to embark on their final year in the Pac-12 before going to the Big 12, and you know, I mean, sometimes that's the best time to make a change. Now, leadership has to answer for this, and you know, the top of the food chain, and being uh, Michael Crow, is is certainly no pillar of competence either when it comes to running an athletic program or supporting an athletic program. Um, but I guess the question is, is do you think Ray Anderson survives this, or is Michael Crow display a similar level of incompetence and keep them around on their way to the Big 12? Look, first of all, you're not going to get any argument from me that Michael Crow has definitely not handled ASU athletics in general and the football program uh, specifically uh, in, 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 any, in any stellar manner. I think that the unfortunate, well-documented uh, events that took place uh, prior to Arizona State finally leaving the Pac-12 and going, going to the Big 12 I really, really exposed a lot with Michael Crow in, in, in that department. I was told that Michael Crow was keeping on Ray Anderson until the NCAA investigation concluded because of his connections with the NCAA, because of any self-imposed uh, action that was taken by, by Arizona State. Again, and this is going back all the way to the summer of 2021 where they, where they dismissed uh, three assistant coaches, that this was all done with Ray Anderson helping the school navigate throughout the NCAA investigation. Now, this is not me justifying Ray Anderson still having a job uh, today. This is not me justifying the line of thinking of Michael Crow. This is a mere explanation of why Ray Anderson is still uh, employed, employed by Arizona State and why Michael Crow is possibly not compelled to take any action regarding Ray Anderson's future at Arizona State before the end of the investigation concludes. And, that, and one more point to make is that I know a lot of people are mad that Herm Edwards got the golden parachute and left here with a four a $4.4 million buyout, and that Ray Anderson uh, might also have a buyout, whether it's a full one or reduced one, uh, you know, time will tell. But if you're an Arizona State fan and you want – Ray Anderson to have a higher probability of not receiving a buyout or receiving a greatly reduced buyout, he has to be fired for cause. He cannot be fired for cause until that NCAA investigation is concluded. And that's why Herm Edwards uh, last year did receive uh, that buyout because at the time you could not fire somebody for cause without 
that there's an investigation being concluded. So that that's uh, basically the explanation of Michael Crow's line of thinking and why Ray Anderson is still Arizona State's like director. I'm not saying this is an explanation that should please anybody if you're an ASU fan or even just an observer uh, from the outside looking in. But nonetheless, that's the line of logic here. You know, the other question with a bull ban is uh, what were the odds this team's good enough to qualify for one? Well, look, I mean, in my humble opinion, when you have eight home games, you have some winnable games on the road, I, I don't think that Arizona State winning six games uh, was going to be some kind of some kind of fairy tale uh, scenario or in, 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 in anything of that sort. So I, I, I think that for Arizona State to, to win six games, I mean, sure, they definitely had this if he needed maybe some dominoes to fall uh, the right way compared to a lot of other schools in the Pac-12. But to me, uh, that uh, was not uh, an, an improbable scenario uh, for them to, to win six games and, and, and really achieve the bowl. But, you know, you, you just also think about the timing of this postseason ban. I mean, anybody that wanted to uh, purchase a season ticket for Arizona State has already done so. Uh, if any player was thinking about bolting to the transfer portal, you're not going to bolt in the, to the transfer portal the first week. Uh, when when the season is going is going to kick off, so there's definitely some really uh, some nefarious factors in, it, in in the timing of the, in the timing of this postseason event. But again, to answer your question, I think that Arizona State uh, win, winning six games uh, was not uh, in, in, improbable by any means, and that's why there's definitely um, another level of anger in that respect in terms of uh, the decision that was rendered yesterday. Well. Uh... I can't wait to see this thing. I mean, I guess the other question that's not as big a question, smaller question is just the quarterback situation. We know we've got Jaden mm-hmm. Rashada. We only have like a minute here, but is is Drew Pine going to re-enter this com this conversation and this competition at some point? Given that his injury appears to be what put Rashada in the driver's seat for the moment. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right, and that's the point I was going to make because the Drew Pine went down. Kenny Dillingham on the record said that, that that did mess up his line of thinking of the starting quarterback and the timeline of announcing a starting quarterback. So if you're asking me right here, right now, when Drew Pine is fully healthy, in my opinion, he is a much bigger threat to unseat Jenny Rashad as a starting quarterback compared to the returning starter to uh, Trent Bourget. Now, I'm not here to suggest that Jenny Rashad is walking on eggshells and has to look, look over his shoulder anytime he throws an incomplete pass or, or interception. But uh, Drew Pine, I think, is a true, chal- uh, true challenge for Jada Rashada, again, for the point that you and I agree on, and that is that Drew Pine, in all likelihood, if he was healthy throughout fall camp, was going to be the starting quarterback over Jada Rashada. DevilsDigest.com. Hode, great talking to you, man. Thanks for making time, sharing some insight. A pleasure. Thank you, guys.